This is Tyler. We are uh, sitting here in John's apartment this evening. Uh, yeah, it's pretty sweet. You know, it's a nice setup we've got here. Yeah. We are in uh, his man cave kind of kind of deal. Yes, um, yeah, on the TV screen right in front of us, um, we are watching um, Doom, where he's got it paused at the moment. <laughs> um, when I came in, he was playing Doom. L to the yeah, we were rocking some Doom because uh, at E3, uh, Doom Eternal got announced, so I've been playing uh, the old Doom. Not well, not the old Doom. But yeah, the old new Doom. Yeah, the old on Doom. One. So. I mean, if we were talking about the old Doom, we like I said a few minutes ago, we'd be talking Super Nintendo uh, days. Yes. I still have on, uh, I still have my Super Nintendo. Dude? Yeah, it's pretty sweet. We have, a, we have an N64. Yeah. Other gaming devices, you know. There's all sorts of gaming devices around this place. Yeah. Hey, I'm noticing your pop figures. Did you see that they made one of uh, Doctor Strange and like half of him is is like charred from, you know, him floating away at the end of <laughs> at the end of Infinity oh, really? War? Yeah. And wow. I just saw it online. Yeah. And so half of him is missing and it, and it's that you know, kind of sooty looking right. that yeah. it was in the movie. Right. Uh, so yeah, I want to get that Dr. Strange one. Um, sure. Absolutely. So the main book that came out this week that uh, you and I both read, um, speaking of red is Shanghai red. Shanghai red. Uh, yeah. At first, you know, I'm like, I know what a Shanghai is. Uh, you know, for those out there that don't know, uh, being Shanghai means you're kidnapped and you're forced into uh, labor, labor. Yeah, so these people were kidnapped and thrown on a on a pirate ship. Basically, it's a good pirate story. Um, is the basic way to put it, wouldn't you yeah, say? Yeah, it's like a seafaring revenge tale with a little, a couple twists in it. Yeah, uh, a thick book, a very wordy book. Yeah, you know, I liked. one of the things that I liked about it is that there was no supernatural, there was no ghosts, there was no demons, there was no. It's just a good story about the high seas, you know. Absolutely, and it's also just it deals with some psychological traumas of of um, the act of revenge. And yes, it feels good to take revenge on the people who have wronged you, but then also you have blood on your hands. You yeah, know what I mean, and it's like, how do you get over killing some someone? Yeah, killing people. Yeah, it's like killing a ton of people. Well, I just don't understand how um, we can. Okay, let's go back here. So this this thing starts off when these people were given a contract that they basically are Shanghai for two years, and then after that they will be set free. Correct. And literally as the two-year ends, one of the captives murders the entire crew of captors. Not the other prisoners, but... Yeah, um, not the workers. Not the workers, yeah. Um. What do you think about that? I thought that was like, what are you doing? You're finally free. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I definitely was like, whoa. But then I was also like, there has to be a reason why. There has to be a reason what's going on for like for this to be happening. Yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, it was definitely a shock. It was definitely like, why don't you just why don't you just take your freedom now? Yep. But then on the flip side, do you really think that these people would have given them their freedom? Like, because they gave them the option of like, all right, you're either free to go or you sign this paper and you start making wages. And it's like. I guarantee that if somebody didn't sign the pages, they were just going to throw them overboard. Yeah. You know? 
there's your freedom. Yeah. Um, well, makes me think that they were going to be letting them go because literally the first word balloon is storms coming. We make land in a few hours. Go tell them. So they're heading towards Asia and they're just going to dump them off and f- good luck. Find your own way home. Um, so after the, um, the killing of the whole crew, we find out that it's not a man, it's a woman and she prefers to be known just as red. Yep. And, you know, talk about psychological drama or psychological trauma, I guess I should say. Uh, she does not care that, that their time was almost up. They did this to her and she's going to get back. And um, jumping ahead to the end of the story real quick, that's what she's going to do going forward. Get a hold of everyone that's that led her to being on this ship. Well, and also just led her to lead this double life and like, because like, Later on, they get into her psychology of, like, why she's this way and how she's had to kind of gallivant around as a man. Yeah. Because this is, like, I would say, what, 17, 1800s? I was thinking 1700s, like, near the Revolutionary War. Sure, yeah. Around that time. But, um, yeah, I mean, she she had to be because she wouldn't... She comes from a family where her father's gone and she had her mother and her and her sister they they literally were on the oregon trail yeah and uh they had to defend themselves so she had to be the protector yeah and so it shows that when she would go out to protect her uh mother and sister uh on the road while their um, little wagon was sitting at night you know she would go out but she would go out as a man and also to get work yeah yeah yeah, yep and also to get work you know It's not that her as a woman couldn't do these things. It's just her as a woman back then would not have been able to do they, those things. And would not she be wouldn't have been those. allowed to. Absolutely. She would not have been given those opportunities. Yeah. Yes. I really like um, uh, the flashbacks, but I kind of wish that they were a little bit more obvious because here on this double page, you know, it looks like a similar thing, but you notice... Um, the left-hand page is her doing all these things. And on the right-hand page, it's all these things being done to her. Right. Um, and then um, then there's mutiny on the ship from the other prisoners. They, don't, they didn't want this because no. now they're in trouble because as soon as they land this ship, they're going to be in trouble because the crew is murdered. Exactly. You know, and so... <clears throat> Yeah, like anybody's going to believe that a woman single-handedly murdered the entire um, crew, you know? Right, and let them free. Yeah. 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 Yep. Not at this time, moment in time. No. And so, but they come around and they accept her and they don't, uh, you know, throw her overboard. No. Um, which I think is good. And one of the guys ends up wanting to be her, um, I don't know. Mate, first mate, you know, yeah, right hand man. Like, so he, he wants to team up with her. He, he knows that there's opportunities, um, with her and without her, he's just gonna get dropped off on shore in Asia and just not nowhere to go, right? What other option does he have? They they turn the ship around and head back towards the uh, United States, um, and land in Portland, um, which she dumps off. The majority of the crew, she was hoping to dump off all of them, so but she'd go off alone. Yeah, yeah, but one of the dudes stayed with, and um, wants to be her, like you said, you know, right hand man. 
Uh, she does have some hallucinations while she's going through here. Um, <clears throat> as she's going down into the um, uh, quarters down below and to eat with these guys, she kind of imagines or sees dead people floating up in a sea of red, which, you know, it's kind of weird because that's the floor of the cabin, you know, instead. Right. So <clears throat> I think that's the psychological trauma of murdering people. You know what I mean? You have this huge guilty conscience and you have this, um, you know, yes, you've uh, murdered a lot of people before protecting your family, but now it is stri- that was for protection and self-defense. This is strictly anger and vengeance, and that's a totally different thing. So Yeah, and then this is where then there's these flashbacks to how her dad raised her because her dad wanted boys, and he ended up with two girls. So mm-hmm. he raised them to do things that, at that time, mostly boys and men did. <clears throat> yeah, you know, work the yard. Lumber. Yep. Um, how to use a knife? How to how to throw a punch? You know. Basically. How to, and how to defend the homestead? Basically, taught her that everything she will need, she can do herself right at home. Um. Were you surprised at how lengthy this book was? Yeah, I was getting a little bored. Um. Do you th- yeah, I think it's a little wordy, but I don't think that was a disadvantage for this book i think it's a strong advantage for this book do you because i i thought it was a little bit too on the nose with the descriptions there was a lot of um okay so if she's the narrator um there's a lot of narration boxes oh yeah Um, this book is exposition heavy yeah and it it does it doesn't let the pictures tell the story it it tells the story Yeah, that's just that. That's a little bit of my problem with it. Um, is it just? I guess we don't need to know every single detail in, um, in text. You know. I agree. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of liked that though. I thought that was a big strength for this book. Well, obviously, the writer knows how to let the art speak for itself because if you look at literally the middle of the book on the staple page, um, no words. It's just got her taking off her bandages and her clothes and she's covered in scars. You see her going into a secret hold on the uh, cabin floor and she takes up a treasure chest, which she shares with the other men on the ship. Um, But there was no words in that whole thing, but yet we got it. She's been through some trauma. Somehow she's collected all this loot and she's hidden it on this ship or she found one of the um, workers and knew where he hid it. You know, we don't know where she got it yet. Right. Don't you think? <clears throat> all right. Let's say hypothetically, we take out the exposition from those flashbacks and the exposition from her past. Would the book be as strong as it was without that? I mean, um, not take it all completely. I just think you know a couple other things. Yeah, concise it up a little bit. Yeah, you know this this frame of her and her dad punching. I don't think we needed any explanation. To me, that's pretty obvious. He's teaching her how to um, be. You know, teaching her some self defense. And um, <clears throat> even with the rifle, um, where he's showing her how to shoot. Um, yeah, the picture is definitely self-explanatory, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I like the exposition. I like the lengthy, the lengthiness. It does kind of harken back to, like, <clears throat> older storytelling. Yeah. And, like, it doesn't just give... It doesn't let this book just be a comic book. It does feel a little bit more like a, an adapted novelization. Yeah, this doesn't feel like a comic book at all. It feels like a novel or a short story with lots of pictures. Yeah. And like this when when we talk about like graphic novel, this will be a 
spot on for graphic novel. Like when yeah. it comes out in trade paperback. Yeah. You know? I, I, <clears throat> I'm on the fence whether I will continue reading it or not. Um, maybe the second issue, because I'd like to see where it goes from here once she leaves the ship to find the people that well, had something to do with this. Yeah, I think now that we have all of this story out of the way and all of this exposition out of the way, that opens up for a lot more storytelling with now. You know, like, let's yeah, yeah. I think they had to get all this out of the way or else it would just be some girl on a ship who killed some dudes and then it'd be over. Yeah, and I'm glad that the end, the ending was really good for me because it kind of brought it all back going, okay, this is a revenge story. And you knew it kind of was at the beginning, but you thought maybe her revenge was done after she killed the the ship people, but not really because somebody put her on that ship. Somebody, and we don't even know what her life circumstances were that she was kidnapped and thrown on this ship, you know? Well, you kind of show a little bit of that. Like they show, like flip back like like one or two pages. Mm Mm-hmm. Because uh, it's while she's going through and talking about how she had to like play as a man yep. to go out and like work, and then one night she got like way too drunk and rambunctious and then trapdoor. Yep. And then she got Shanghai. Oh, yep. Yeah. You're you're so, right. So she's going back to try and track down like all of these people that Shanghai her originally and put her on this boat and took her away from her family because now she has no idea. Well, I'm sure they made no idea. What's well, going once, on. once she was, you know, too drunk, I'm sure they thought we can make a lot of money with this girl and sold her to slavery. Basically. Right. Um, I like this scene where she's laying in her quote unquote bunk. I know she didn't really have a bunk when she was, um, a prisoner and look at all these scratch marks. Uh, I assume each one is a day uh, because she's been on there for two years. So there is just tons of scratch marks. Yeah, she's marking down the days that she's been yep. on the ship. Yep. Uh, that's just crazy. And it just makes you feel almost sick for her going, oh, my God, this would have been horrible. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Where you just wake up and all of a sudden you're out to sea. So there's nowhere for you to go. So you either toe the line or you're going to get killed. Because it's not like you can just leave these people. No, you have no choice. I mean, yeah. What are you going to do? Jump in, the, jump in the ocean? Yeah. Good Lord. Yep. Good luck. Exactly. So, um, yeah. What I don't like, though, is the other... Like you mentioned, the um, uh, ship captain, he was going, okay, you either um, jump off or sign on and you'll earn some wages. And I better see some signatures on here. So <laughs> right, exactly. uh, I can see where you thought they were going to be killed if they didn't sign on. I, absolutely. What do they got to lose? These guys, these are these are low down people who nobody cares about in terms of like where they are and missing. And even if they do, who the hell knows where they're at? Yeah. No, no one. <clears throat> they're out in the middle of nowhere. One, and, of, one of the guys is convinced it was his girlfriend or wife that turned him in, you know. <laughs> That had something to do with it. That was kind of funny. But like, what's the recourse? You know, what there is no recourse if you kill anybody out here. You know, in, no. the, in the middle of nowhere. It's no. Nothing. So I, I definitely want to continue this. I think it's a cool idea, and I like how it does harken back to like an older style of storytelling with more words with the pictures. Yeah. So there's a lot of exposition, but that, I think that really makes the character strong for me. I really like. I like it. As a yeah, and I like it too as she's rowing from the big ship she's rowing herself to shore in a little um rowboat and also the ocean water is that red color with bodies floating uh so you know that she's really having struggling mentally as she's going ashore and then once she's ashore ashore, she's in her man um outfit known as jack yeah and it's just very uh 
ominous and very like yep just sets the tone you know what i mean like yep this is not going to be a pleasant journey this yep. is not going to be me just going home there's going to be blood on her hands. And, yeah, uh, and if you look, what's in this little dinghy with her is just a pistol and a Bowie knife type thing. Yeah, you know, a pistol, a knife, and a little knapsack. That's it. Yep, and She's so just ready. so this has like a Kill Bill, but also like a um, Gangs of New York kind of. The dude that's the dude that's gonna stick with her. He's gonna stay on the ship, um, but even he's like, um, you came all this way to murder a man to kill a man, and she goes. Men, uh, she goes, men, as many of them as I can get on the other end of my gun. Yeah. You know, so she's, it's going to be a, you know. This book's going to be bloody. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I, I'm sure we'll see maybe every issue or every other issue, she finds another one of them. Either that or um, we'll just kind of see like a little bit of like uh, what's going on with her, what's going on with her family, what's going on with her, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because that's essentially what she's trying to get back to is her mother and her sister. Yeah, I mean, they have no idea what happened to her because she was at the bar one night and then gone. and then gone. gone. They probably think she was murdered or kidnapped gone. or... or. Well, yeah, I mean, how do you know? But back then, you just don't. You just no. assume. Once somebody's gone for like a month, you might as well assume you're dead. I mean, it's not like there's any... It's not like there's any... Uh, um, what do you, what you call? Uh, cell phones or uh, GPS or... Global police force looking for people. Yep, exactly. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. So, um, so what have you been up to this week, John? Man, this week just busy, busy. Oh, I did, I did read Gideon Falls though. I just didn't purchase it. So yeah, yep. Do you like? Good. Do you like it? Yeah. Um, but no, this week has just been all wedding finalization. And yeah. I'm trying to get. You know, I'm playing some Doom today, but yeah, that's just like a small spurt of of uh, yeah, relaxation. But when that day comes next week, right? Next Saturday. Yeah. You know, it's coming. Yeah. Uh, you're going to just be like, holy buckets, that went quick. And then the day will be over. And you know what you got to do um, is the day of, you've done all the planning that you can do. So you just got to let things Absolutely, happen. It, whatever happens, happens. <laughs> um, if something goes wrong, that's that's just part of your wedding day. And you're going to remember that going, huh, remember when that happened? I don't, I don't think I will have any problems if something goes wrong because I yeah. think I'll be like yeah whatever like we'll right. just move fast and we'll figure it out yep I think Sarah will just be like oh my god like <laughs> yeah well let, let me give you an example two years ago I was at my brother's wedding and as the best man you know I was making sure he was where he was supposed to be for everything and we were done with pictures and so both the wedding party was just taking a break in the church and the girls run somewhere and us guys were down in the basement of the church and my brother's just feeling overwhelmed um, I think the pictures really took a lot out of him because this photographer just went nuts and um, he was feeling really faint and sick. So I was having him lay down in the basement, you know, and he was getting more and more worked up because he was, it's his wedding day. And I said, Travis, all you have to do is when it's time to go upstairs, I'll let you know, you lay here till it's time to go. I'll let you know. We go up there, we do the ceremony and it's done, Yeah, you know? And yeah, I mean, no need to freak out, you know, no need to, um, can you know? I know that you can hold it together for the half an hour that you'll be at the front of the church, and it'll be fine. And then now, today, a couple of years later, I'm like, you know, we talk about it. Going, you remember how not well you were feeling? And he goes, Yeah, that wasn't such a big deal, you know. <laughs> and it's like, Yeah, it's not, you know. And right. no, and, and I, I'm, I'm kind of wishy washy. I've got like the nerves that are like everything's okay and then the other, the other side I'm like I just want to get there and just be relaxed and be done 
I also want to be. There's just so many emotions. To it. Yeah. You want to be the guy who's like there and the pillar of strength. And yep. Everything's all to the you know your specification. Your yep. Crossing your T's, but then also it's just like that's a lot of responsibility, and there's so many moving pieces and parts. Yep. But so. once once Friday is over, you know, and you uh, are you having a dinner Friday night for you like a groomsman dinner kind of thing. No. Okay. I mean, I have, we haven't decided on on anything like that yet. Uh, that would be fun though. Okay. So like, get together with uh, her brothers and stuff. Yeah. Okay. So once Friday's over, um, you just have to realize you built the machine. You've done everything you can, and so Saturday it's just gonna run and it's just right. gonna work. And you just let let it happen. I know that sounds uh, way easier said than done, right, but right, just baby. yeah. I mean, <laughs> you've done well, all you can do, well, and. And just enjoy enjoy your day, um, you know what I mean? Because you don't want to look back on it and go, "Oh my god, I was so stressed." <laughs> yes, wedding planning sucks. I get that, but yeah. but the wedding day, just you know. Honestly, I don't think the planning is that bad. I think it is just the build up of the. All right, this is the fruits of all the labor. Yeah. So. Yeah. But yeah, I think it'll be great. I think it'll be fun. It'll be cool. It'll be, um, it'll be fast. I hate weddings. Um, I just went to, I just went to, uh, this is, I don't even know why we went to this. Uh, my wife's second cousin got married last Saturday and <clears throat> which is why we did our thing over the phone. I couldn't make it Saturday. Yeah. And I, I still don't really understand why we went because I mean, she's closer to her like distant cousins than I ever was, you know, sure. like a second cousin. I know I have them, but uh, you know, I would need to be present at their wedding. Uh huh. Exactly. And so they're gonna listen to this and be like, "Tyler, you ass." Yeah. And so <laughs> I was gonna have um my son during the um the dinner. You know, when people are giving little speeches, I was gonna have my son go up there, introduce himself, and say, "I am the son of the husband of the second cousin," <laughs> and I would just like to say thank you for including me on this glorious day. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Fortnite? No, he's yeah. For, he's playing a lot of Fortnite. I'm sure. Um, all those kids is HR. Yeah, they all weekend long. We were up my dad's this weekend on the lake, and they're just doing these stupid dance moves. And I'm like, you know how sad it is <laughs> that floss. that you get the the yeah the floss that you know how stupid it is that you get your dance moves from a video game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, it's in man, it's the hot thing right now. I know. We're gonna look. They're gonna look back on it and go, oh my god. So like you're gonna be like those people who are into disco, yeah. and ten years later they're like, "What were we thinking?" Disco's dead, baby. Uh, what do you do? I don't know. Uh, so you said you read Gideon Falls. So I've got the I cover. Did, I did read Gideon Falls. I've got the cover where the map on the cover looks like Doc Sutton, and I'm I'll, glad that you finally figured that out. No, I didn't figure it out. You told me. <laughs> I'm trying to make you look smart. I didn't figure anything out. I'm just saying, I'm glad that we've come to that, like, oh my God. (laughs) Yes, it does. Yeah. just kept like, oh, it's a landscape. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that was the first issue. And then the sec, because I didn't buy the map one. And then, so I got to go back and find that one because I think it's sold out most places. But but for two, three, four, I have got the the map ones because they're characters kind of, if you haven't seen the covers, they're basically... Um, maps from like bird's eye view view, and all of the landmarks and roads and rivers on it form a face and this particular one forms the face of Doc Sutton Mm -hmm. 
um, who we just met for like a split second in issue three. Yeah, right at the end. Yeah. And in this one, I really love this issue because it, it shows that there's been kind of a ongoing group of people that believe in the Black Barn and they know it's tied to, uh, I was going to say Granite Falls, <laughs> Gideon Falls. Um, I went through Granite Falls, Minnesota today. Oh, so that's in my in my mind, yeah. Uh, and then, um, so this doctor, I mean, he comes off as pretty insane to the uh, new preacher in town. Oh yeah, he's very insane. I mean, the dude has, you know, conspiracy theory, X-Files, unsolved mysteries wall with like the, you know, the huge pegboard. I need to give all the wires. And I have a friend he, I have a friend here in town. He's a potter. He's a high school teacher also, but Doc Sutton and him could be twins. Oh, really? I'm not kidding. Uh, I don't want to say his name on here. He might not want to be affiliated with this he, <laughs> since he's a high school teacher, but uh, but hey, yep. I know what you're talking about. Um, anyway, um, so the father, God, what's his name? Well, anyway, the father is uh, in Doc Sutton's house, and there's just this crazy conspiracy board, newspaper clippings all over the place, crayon drawings of the black, uh, the black barn, and basically, the doc thought that the father would want to be part of this um, organization, uh, finding out. Uh, the plowman. Yep. Yeah. Uh, finding out the um, truth of the black barn and the father does not. He's like, you guys are nuts. I am leaving. And so he leaves. Well, he also kind of expected him to be a part of it because he feels like he was sent. Yeah. Like, to deal with it. The other, like, the other, know, the other priest died and here's the new one. Yeah. You're the, you're the warrior that God sent us kind of thing. You yep. know what I mean? To deal with this evil. Exactly. And then it jumps. Yeah, then it jumps to Dr. Zhu where she's um, sitting at her desk going over her Norton files. Um, if you remember from previous episodes, Norton is the kid who's got, um, I call him a kid. He's probably a young adult. He's got, he's, in his 20s. he's got, you know, this reputation of being um, um, schizophrenic, schizophrenic. Yep. And so um, she doesn't believe him that he sees this black barn and he's collecting all these pieces of the barn everywhere he goes. And, in this one, she um, she's in her bathroom, and I got to ask you because I don't really see what's going on. So she's looking in her mirror, and then she washes her face, dries her face, and she's looking in the mirror, and she sees the black barn behind her. Mm-hmm. She turns around, and then when she looks at the mirror again, what is this picture frame of a guy sitting at a desk? I what? think it's just I think it's Norton himself. Like, so she's seeing no, she's seeing Norton in it now. Instead of this, you know, okay, this is great for podcasting. But in one frame, it's the uh, black barn. And then she turns back to see what's behind her. And then she turns back to the mirror. And it looks like a picture frame now of Norton at a desk. Now, I don't know. So I'm not sure. So I'm just not sure what we're looking at. Right. Now that you bring it up, I think it might be the guy at the end of the issue. Yeah. Could be. Yeah, she doesn't know who this person is then. No. And that's this next page, this double page spread is so cool. So yeah, this where, would be the guy. Yeah, this would be the guy at the end of the end of the book then. Yeah. Okay. She okay. goes uh she says no while she's looking in the the mirror and frame by frame she's just kind of fall I don't even know how to describe this. Like there isn't a way to describe this. It's crazy. 
crazy. It's awesome. It's really like, um, uh, I don't know, man. It's like out of the box and crazy, almost Salvador Dali-ish. It's like, yeah. just, it's all these little mi- like frames of the story happening all at once, but yep. all like in sequence, but in this all, it, it's, it's cool. It's a really cool double spread. Yep. And uh, I, I wish that we could uh, describe it better, but there pick, really isn't a way. To- pick up Gideon Falls, and you'll you'll find it. It's the double page spread, uh, red background with all these cubes showing different scenes of um, events. Crazy, you know, it yeah. tells the story and also makes it like really just kind of um, make you lose your mind with it, kind of thing. Like because you're like, what the hell is going on? So, yeah, I was just I wasn't sure how to take this, you know, yeah. thing, uh, and then. It jumps now to the farm where the sheriff lives. She's off duty, and the father pulls up to chat with her and, and ask her questions about the plowman. Yes, she says it's just a group of farmers. Um, he says no. Yeah, she's like, don't pay attention to them. And he says, do you know that one of your deputies is a plowman? And she looks totally taken aback, and she's like, yeah. I will have to look into this. I'll have to talk to him about that. Yeah. Um, because I, I get the feeling that she wasn't happy about that. No, why would she be? I mean, she's trying to distance herself from all this crazy bullshit yeah. that's happening in the small town. She just wants to be your small town sheriff and live her life, and all this stuff keeps happening. For sure. So, yeah. But uh, they are having a chat about all this, and then a call comes through Yeah. that they need. she needs to get out to this guy's place. Like, yep. there's a domestic disturbance out there, and she gets, needs to get out there now. Yeah. And then um, she picks up her keys and is like, why don't you drive me? Yeah, well, at first she was like, I'll see you later. I got to get out there. And he goes, can I help? And she's like, no, I need to take care of this. Well, actually, I'm going to need you to drive. I mean, because, yeah, she's been on her porch drinking. I mean, it's her day off, you know. And so anyway, I thought that was really responsible of her where, you know, sheriff or not, she was like, I can't drive. Uh Responsible in a very small town, you know, like, yeah. you need to take me. Like, small town, though, uh, you know, I've grown up in small town. 300 people is where I, my first town I've lived in. And that would not be the first thought of most people there. <laughs> most people there would be like, eh, no one's looking. Nobody's looking. Nobody knows. <laughs> uh, okay, so they take off, and it turns out it's the home of that bus driver that waved at the father on his way in. Also the guy that cornered him after church one day, mm-hmm. um, who there was something weird going on with his wife. Yeah. You remember that? He was like asking him over for dinner and stuff. Yeah. 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 So it turns out it's their place. Um, but before we actually get to that scene, uh, it cuts to Norton and he is digging through trash Doing his, doing his thing you know the doctor has basically cut him off because she didn't want to have anything to do with him because she went over to his apartment in the last issue and it was completely booby trapped yeah. and she was really disappointed in what she thought was um kind of a relapse in his uh recovery um but you know she let him go she wanted to put him back in um treatment um, also, I think she was just trying to be like, no, this isn't me. It's you. And this is the shared psychosis. phenomenon." She felt that. Yeah. She felt that because he talked about and shared with her so much information about what she considered his delusions that, um, she was that, it too. that she was having some kind of shared psychosis. Yeah. yeah she was living it too. 
now, though, after the events that we just talked about with her and her bathroom mirror, she believes it. And so she tracks down Norton and she finds him in an alley. Um, but he gets the drop on her and gets her in a headlock, not knowing it's her. Yeah. Uh, as soon as he realizes it's her, he lets her go. And this scene, I think, is really poignant where they hold hands and they're like, she, he goes, you believe me? And she goes, yes, we, but what do we do? And they share a hug, which is kind of cool because the whole time I felt like Norton's had this big crush on her. Yeah. Um, and he's always just wanted her to well, be on the same page with him. Why wouldn't he? I mean, she, she's been his confidant. She's yeah. been the person that's uh, he's run to when he needs help. And then all of a sudden, um, when she needed help, she just pushed him away, so he felt really violated in terms of that trust level. And now it's on; they're on the same page. Yeah, he didn't. He he didn't really re- recognize that him sharing though. That's her job, right? You know, they they weren't friends, and he he just took that kind of. I think he forgot that he was there as a patient. He wasn't there as a right. let's be buddies kind of thing. Yeah. Um. But now they seem to have crossed that border, and and they're not. Well, I like this scene where they did touch hands too, because if you look at it, it makes a skull. Mm-hmm. The, eyes, the, the background. The- yep. The background behind Norton and Doctor Zoo um, is a red skull. It looks really cool. Yeah, that's a, one thing I've always been consistently um, wowed with with the this book is just the way that it's presented and the way that they cut things and the way that they the composition. Yeah. Of either it doesn't matter whether it's like. Norton's apartment or or this the, um, this very next page where we jump back another, to another great, uh, we jump back to the sheriff and the priest and they get out to the domestic call and as the car's driving it's a it's a forest scene and the car's going down this lonely road but then there's this red rectangle around like kind of creating a um frame within a frame it's a focal yeah, and it's totally unnecessary, but yet it adds this artistic flair to it that makes it interesting. Without it, that scene is boring. But with it, it draws your eye to something that is important, and just yeah, know, it just it makes that scene pop a little bit more. Just just gives a little little snap. Yeah, you know? without it, it's like somebody took a somebody with no photo uh, photography experience took a photo of a car. Yeah. You know, it's like they put it right in the middle of the frame and they have way too much sky in it. And yeah. you know what I mean? You're looking at it going, do you know how to frame a photo? Come on. This is ridiculous. <laughs> With it, though, I don't know. It makes you study the page for yeah. a few more seconds. Yeah. It's, it's super awesome in terms of a reader. I, I like it. And they like do it. things like that throughout the whole book. I mean, yeah and if we look back on these doc sutton pages at the beginning they do something similar instead of having boxed frames for each um um change of scenery right for each panel it's these red wavy lines um that really make you think of blood of darkness kind of evil well it sets an unsettling tone yeah absolutely yeah yep for sure so um out at the farm where the domestic call um, came from, it's actually that bus driver. Um, I'm going to find his name here quick. Um, I don't think it's on this page, actually. Ballard? Something Ballard? Well, no, that's her deputy that was out there. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, and so they get there. The wife is on the steps going, um, you, you have to go inside. Um, 
I he he told me to wait outside, you know, and so you're going, what is going on, you know? And she's calling for her partner Tony Ballard, and she's like, can you hear me? Answer me, Tony. And then she gets uh, all the way to a back bedroom where she sees the husband sitting on the floor, blood all over him. He's got a hatchet in his hand. And then we can assume that that's the deputy hanging upside down, basically bleeding out. And that's where the issue ends. Yeah, and he says, uh, hello, father. I've been waiting for you because the father came in with her. Yeah. sit in the car, but he wants to help. So... It's it's almost like he wanted to get the father's attention by this, and he wanted to be found. which is weird because why would he string up a, a deputy sheriff and hope that the, the the priest will come? You know, I don't think that's him anymore. I think it's whatever this black barn is taking over and uh, staking its claim in, on this little town. I think it took over before the father even got there because there's something off about him from issue one. Yeah, I think it, it did, but now it's instead of just hoping it gets attention it's grabbing for it now. yeah it's begging for the some there's some kind of evil there yeah and i'm really eager to find out it's weird it's like it's like a haunted town mm-hmm. and it just keeps showing itself in the, in this barn my theory is that this barn was there at one point and that barn is what's evil and maybe it was burnt down at one point and they Making just it black. yeah and then uh it's gone now but it just keeps popping up now in some kind of I'm interested also to how these two stories will intertwine because we have one it's happening in Gideon Falls and it's uh, very visceral but then we also have the psychological tale that's happening with Norton and his connection and Dr. Zoo who's now part of it yep. so how are these stories going to come together you know what I mean yeah uh, it'll be interesting to see this book is awesome um yeah every issue i'm just like what's gonna happen next and i don't feel that way with a lot of comic books i read right now um i just read them because uh it's habit and i've been reading it for so long i'm like yeah i'll just keep going uh also i think this is jeff lemire's best work for a writer i would have to agree and i'm not a huge jeff lemire fan and he's just hit or miss for me some books i love some books i hate this book i absolutely love and i think i think this is his strongest work to date. I think so too. I'm glad he's not doing the artwork on this. I think his artwork would um it wouldn't it wouldn't have the same impact. No, he doesn't do artwork for horror very well. No. The guy who's doing it or the girl who whoever because I'm not sure, I'm sorry. But um, Andrea Sorrentino. So I'm going to guess it's a girl. Could be a girl, could be a guy. Could, be. could be a foreign. Yeah. Know, could be a yeah. Definitely. Name. But yeah, the person doing the art is very visceral, very real and it's um yeah, it has a real a realism to it. Yeah. There's no there's a yes, there's a distinction that it's art and comic. Yeah. It's definitely gritty, yeah. and visceral and real gritty and like visceral it. are good descriptions of it. It's just it looks like real life with just a filter. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It it's And that's why I think this book comes across so uh creepily and so uh, strong yeah you know i'm desperate to find what's gonna happen and i really hope this is an ongoing and not just a six issue mini um i don't think we can wrap this story up in two more issues like when you re- when i really think about it like, no because because norton norton and zoo they live in a in a city obviously yeah. and with um the the priest and and sheriff and this bus driver now uh, they're they're in Gideon Falls, which is a small town, you know, kind of backwoods kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So why is Norton seeing the black barn where he lives? And why does he have this psychosis where he's got to find pieces of it in the trash? And how, you know, I'm really interested to know, are these really shards from that barn? And how did they get spread out all over everywhere? You know, some sort of connection that's deeper to this thing, but he doesn't know what it is. Yeah. He doesn't know what it is. And I don't think anybody knows what it is. And, we don't know what it is, and we won't find out for a while. I think this book will go on for quite a while. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I if I had to guess, you know, I think it would maybe be capped at 12. Um, yeah, but, sure. Um, other than that, I'd like to see it go further than, than that. Yeah. For sure. I'd really like to see, um, you know, how it reads in a trade paperback. I read a lot of my stuff in issues, but sometimes when you read it in one bulk... Um, a lot, a lot more stuff comes together for you that you might've forgotten in the last issue, because it's not like I go back and read the previous issue before I read this one. And so, you know, you may have forgotten like, Oh, I forgot this shows why this happened, you know? For sure. Uh, I 100% agree. Yeah. I mean, I think we'd, I think I'd find a lot more stuff in it. Um, well, and there's not so much waiting, you know what I mean? Cause this book is monthly. So, mm -hmm. um, so being a Jeff Lemire fan, I picked up his other book that he's working on right now. One of his other ones. This guy is busy. Dude's busy, man. He okay. He puts puts out Black Hammer, his superhero book. He puts out um, um, Gideon Falls, his horror book. He puts out um, that other um, Royal City. Royal City, which is it feels more autobiographical. It it might not be, but yeah. um, he puts out Royal City, which he draws and writes. Um, he's just all over the place. And he has, what was I going to say? And he put out that AD after death with Scott horror, Snyder or issue mini series. Kind yeah. Of thing. Those, those oversized magazine year. things. So yeah. The dude is a, yeah, a constant workhorse. Yeah. In that one though, um, I think Scott Snyder wrote it and he drew it. So yes. I don't know which one takes him longer to write or draw because his drawing style is um, kind of a scratchy, um, messy doodle kind of yeah. kind of art, you know? It can definitely turn people off. But yeah. it depends on the story it's telling. Yeah. I think it, I think it works for Royal City. I think it worked for um, um, Sweet Tooth as well. Yeah, agreed. Because yeah. it, it is a little bit more goofy, but uh, Royal City, I think it works because it's a little bit more like kind of um, in your dreamscape-y, ethereal kind of thing. It's mm -hmm. kind of a... Yeah, that kind of story. Yeah, and they got a dead, there's a dead brother that's haunting everybody. Yeah. So anyway, so Jeff Lemire's uh, attempt at a superhero comic. Now, this is pretty cool because this, this to me reminds me of Watchmen, like we said about that book last week. Would we, what book was it? Um, where we said it was. The magic Order. Yeah, the Magic, yeah, Magic Order. Um, we felt like was, you know, kind of Watchmen-y. And this one also. So what happened is in... Uh, the the original Black Hammer series, these superheroes were confined to a small town which they can't leave. So it's very um, Twin Peaks-like, yeah. you know. And um, so they're trying to find a way to get off of this or out of this area. And the girl who is now the Black Hammer, her dad used to be Black Hammer. And so it's it's passed itself on to her. And this is just good character building. Um, it shows that one of the heroes, um, uh, Abraham, in his you know normal outfit, he's going out trying to uh, meet a girl, and they run into the girl's husband, and the husband's just like, "Well, 
good luck, you two. And it's just like, really? And her husband's the cop, you know? And it's just like, really? He's not going to throw a fit? And then he even said something like, hey, I ever tell you, uh, tell you crazy kids how I am glad you two found each other? And uh, Abraham's like, uh, what? And he goes, you better treat her good, though, Abe. Tammy's one in a million. And it just... It's just odd because there's something weird about him. He's got this shit-eating grin on his face. I, I, I think he's planning on killing Abe is my uh, opinion. Weird, man. So then we jump to, and this this reminds me of um, Neil Gaiman's Sandman series because it jumps to the girl that who is now Black Hammer, jumps to her, and she's meeting with a character that's very reminiscent of Morpheus or Dream, whatever you want to call him. Yeah, yeah. And he's... I don't really like this this section because it's. I feel like it's kind of a ripoff, or maybe it's a homage to to Sandman. Uh, I, I'm not sure because then all of a sudden he's his brothers and sisters. Hey, did you ever read Sandman? No. Before we get into it. okay, so you're fine. It's not a big deal. Well, Sandman has several characters that embody desire, death, um, right. dream. You know, all these things, and all of a sudden here's more characters that are brothers and sisters of this character. So I'm just not a fan of this alternate reality that she's in. You just kind of does it feel? It feels forced to the point it, where it's it, like it, too much like Sandman. Yeah, where it almost it, feels like it feels happy. Yeah, I don't. I can't. I don't know whether he's just going. Um, you know, I can't use Sandman because I didn't get the um, rights from Neil Gaiman, but I can do it if I change things. <laughs> I can make my own Sandman, bitch. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. I I have no idea. It just feels. And maybe we'll find out later that, you know, what the deal is with that. Uh, but then it jumps back again to um, one of the superheroes. And I'm terrible with names, but he's got a gay relationship with a father, in like a priest in this one. Okay. And this is where the priest finally admits his feelings and doesn't care who knows about it. So Uh-oh. it's, it's kind of cool. Um, all in all, though, Black Hammer is turning out to be a really cool sci-fi comic book um with superheroes in it um i i would say it it is twin peaks meets watchmen meets sandman and so this issue didn't pull it off very well but the first three first two did and this this issue like i said volume two right volume Volume two or three. Um, I'm not. I have one of the other volumes in trade paperback, but I feel like that one um, might not even be the first one because reading that one, I felt like I was jumping into the middle of a story. Um, but yeah, it's either volume two or three. Um, it's not really that hard to figure out what's going on. Um, if you, even if you just do a little googling and kind of, oh, that's the backstory of these guys. Okay, sure. uh, that's kind of what I had to do. Uh, but all in all, I. I'm liking it. This issue was the downer of the series so far. Yeah, where you just felt like overused ideas. Yeah. Old ideas. Not overused, but older ideas that you've already read. Yeah, and they're not yours, you know. And (laughs) that's the thing. Jeff Lemire is such a... All great artists steal, man. Yeah. And and he's not doing the art. He's doing the writing. And it's like, why would you write in a character that's so close to Morpheus? So I got to feel like there's a reason because he... I feel like Jeff Lemire would know better, you know? Or maybe he's just, uh, now I'm just saying this, 
maybe he just never read Sandman, thought this was a great idea, put it in his book, is like, that's awesome. And it's like, didn't even know. You know what I mean? You, no. <laughs> I don't I don't feel like that could be the case at all. No? No. You don't think he's ever he, he's never heard of Neil Gaiman. I mean I'm sure he's I'm sure he's heard of him, but has he ever read Sandman? I don't know. You I've know. never read Sandman. No, I know, but at the same time, would you come up with a world where you know it's in Sandman it's called the dreaming. Yeah. It's an alternate reality kind of thing where yeah. where Morpheus lives and he can call on his brothers and sisters to come from their realms to come aid him or vice versa, which is what's happening here. Um, I mean, that's stranger, that's pretty specific. Stranger coincidences have happened, man. I'm looking at your poster on the wall, and stranger <laughs> things have happened. Uh, there's yeah. a Stranger Things poster stranger on the wall. Stranger Things poster on the wall, as well as my uh, Planet, Planet of the, of the Apes. Apes posters. Yeah, because I'm a huge uh, Andy Circus fan. So yeah, um, it's gonna be awesome um, to, to see the new movie. Posters. And stick Andy Circus autograph all the way around because I have like, I think I have like fifteen Andy Circus autographs right now. Do you buy them on the internet? Or have you got one in person? Uh, no, I buy them all off the internet. Okay, so. I didn't know if you had actually well I don't met buy, him. I don't buy all of them off the internet, but I kind of just find them here and there, and I always make sure they're just they're from a product that is company paid for the certification so i don't have to you know what i mean like they pay the guy to set down the sign of cards so you don't have to find you don't have to do the verification right it's already done for me like you know mm-hmm. i just buy the auto and it's from like cryptozoic hobbit set and yep you know what i mean or it's yep. like a star wars card of him as snoke you know what i mean something like that something yeah like, yeah here's the thing speaking of snoke uh i think we're going to hear anything more about him in the next volume of star wars dude i don't know star wars is like up in the air right now what do you see han solo yet yep I liked it. I thought, I thought it, it was great. I thought it was pretty freaking awesome. For a guy like me that has criticized every new Star Wars movie, Solo kicked ass. Felt like Star Wars. Yeah. Okay. The only thing I would say though is Han Solo. Um, I know they couldn't use Harrison, but in the original trilogy, Han Solo, Harrison Ford wasn't a guy playing Han Solo. He was. I mean, he embodies that character for me. Yeah. And so putting this other guy who just it did a great job good shoes to fill and yeah and he just didn't quite do it for me he you know what i mean he wasn't believable for me as han solo he was like 90 percent believable 10 percent like eh, you kind of missed it buddy i i've never felt like uh, i was out of the realm of possibility of this being han solo like i just i never i didn't think that he did a bad job and i i thought he did any, everything he could what else could he have brought to the table i just that's my question and i i have questioned it you know like yeah what else could this guy have brought into the table and i don't think he could have brought anything else to well table. i think he kind of overdid the brashness right han solo was kind of a quiet guy he speaks quietly you know a little yeah, bit more he, and this he, kid was loud i think over time he learned that though because I, I mean this is a younger version like you know yeah I mean? this is a, a younger kind of angsty him trying to figure out where he fits into this galaxy and where he fits into yeah all of this. Han Solo, I mean, his words in um, take any pick of the original trilogy. Um, his words carried a lot of weight to them, and 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 you always wanted to hear what he had to say, even even when it was like somebody insulted him, and he's like, "Who's scruffy looking?" You know what I mean? And and he doesn't do the Han Solo in this solo movie um, that there's not a lot of weight to his words and I, I can't really put it in any other way. It just feels like 
no, nobody could have done Harrison Ford. I, I acknowledge that. So this kid was probably the closest they could have done. I mean, I just think those are huge, huge shoes to fill. And uh, I thought he did a great job. I didn't have any complaints with him. Donald, okay, I Donald. The movie was like maybe twenty minutes too long. Mm-hmm, yeah, Donald Glover to me killed it as Lando. Yeah, and I'm happy he wasn't in it more because I think is I think it would have just come off annoying. Because like, yeah, it's not that. Lando's a bad character. Lando's a great character. But he's but, a B character, you know? Well, that, and he's also just a fucking scumbag. Like, yeah. Every, everything he says is almost half truth and whole lot. Like, oh, yeah. He's, 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 uh, he's in it for himself. He yeah. will, he will throw anybody under the bus. And he, he did it to Han in The Empire Strikes Back, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, sold him out to Vader. And I don't know. You can't I trust him. He did a great job, though, bringing something new to the role, but also, like, having the inflection of. Uh, the original Lando, because like you could hear it in his voice. Like, yeah, you know, it, it sounded like the original Lando. Yep. And uh, I don't know everything about it. Have you seen too. Donald Glover stand up though? I mean, okay, yeah. for those that don't know, Donald Glover is a stand up comedian. Also a rapper. And oh, I didn't know that. Childish Gambino. Oh, I. That's him. I didn't know that. That's him. Okay. Well, his stand up. His voice is really high. He's always like you know yelling, and so for him to like sit down and like. literally get this lando suave voice hey ladies i mean it was awesome and i i love the the little nods to his dress you know like where the um um han's girlfriend goes how many capes do you think this guy has you know um i thought that was great um i i really liked it that he did have a romantic feeling towards his droid. Um, a lot of, I, I read a lot of articles that didn't like that, that he was, you know, pansexual. So um, and I got to feeling, who the hell cares? This is star Wars. Well, that and it's Lando Calrissian. He's goddamn pimp of the galaxy. Like, yeah. He just, you know what I mean? He's so suave and smooth. Like he could talk anybody into bed. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's I loved kind of the it. Lure of the character. I loved his bot when she's telling like, you know, I know how you feel, you know, because, Lando loves me and it just can't happen. Just can't happen. Yeah, yeah, and it was so funny. I'm just like looking and go, what? Well, and she's like, how does that work? It works. Oh yeah, it <laughs> it works. And then like, so just, when she was destroyed, man, you really felt for him. He he. Yeah. I mean, you felt like he lost his wife or something, even though she was just a droid to him. You know, yeah. to to us. Yeah, I mean, I think the whole pansexuality thing is totally fine. He's a he's the Casanova of the galaxy kind of thing. You know, he's this. Yeah. Fabled love man. You know what I mean? Like, he yeah. just, you know, whatever. So I, I, I liked I, I liked think it was funny because was Han has always been bragging about the Kessel Run. And when you get to finally see it, he didn't do it in 12 parsecs by his flying. He took a shortcut. Right. Exactly. And so then you're like, it just leads you to go, oh, Han is a braggart and he exaggerates and he, you know, always makes the story sound better than it is. Um, he goes, you know, in in uh, A New Hope, he's like, never heard of the Millennium Falcon? Did the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs? And and then when you actually see him do that run, you're like, oh, well, it's not the ship's speed that's the issue. It's, he took a shortcut, you know? Yeah. I thought that was great. Yeah, and I think that he gets that that character flaw from Lando because they're always tit for tat. They're always trying to one-up each other. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I liked it a lot, though. I thought it was great. Chewbacca was great because he's a new guy. I mean, there's well, not well, really much. I didn't. New. Okay. It, Chewbacca bothered me because this new guy has a different walk, right? So he seemed way more spry and springy than um, um, 
Oh God, I just Peter left P- Peter Mayhew. Yeah, he can't do it anymore because he's like seventy. I understand, and he's also like get like having the effects of gigantism. You know, like yeah, you know, he's, he's it bones are falling apart. You know, he's literally like leaning over now. He can't do anything. I yeah, I totally understand that, but I I still didn't like the new guy's walk. It just <laughs> it just it just was like that's not how Chewbacca moves. <laughs> Watch the fucking movies, boy, and learn how to do it. You know. Oh man, I thought he was great. I thought how they met was great. I loved the film. I thought it was. I thought it was fabulous. So. Okay, so when did they get kidnapped? I mean, that the uh, the Wookies, because in Episode Two, uh, Attack of the Clones, they are helping Yoda on their planet of Kashyyyk, and now in this movie, they're all in captivity. I think, as the Empire came to rise. You know, yeah. That's kind of. And that's the thing, like, the Empire wasn't a huge part of this movie. They were present, but it wasn't the omnipresence that they have in New Hope. No. Because this movie is, uh, they're they're slowly taking it. They're the, they're policing the galaxy. They are the overseers. This is the early, this is the early Empire. Yeah, they're overseers, but not overlords, you know what I mean? Yep. They're getting there, but they're not. Yeah, they're not all powerful yet. I like that they were present, but it was mostly just in a, um enforcement kind of standpoint they were mm-hmm. just kind of policing the galaxy uh-huh so, so um you know the one big star in the movie uh woody harrelson what'd you think i thought he was good i thought um i mean i don't know i mean insert any other actor in there i think they would have done just as good yeah um, but i think woody um you didn't look at him going oh that's the guy from cheers you looked at it going yeah, he's doing a good job. I thought he did a great job. I mean, I've never, I've never thought of him as the dude from Cheers either. Though, like, oh, I grew up watching Cheers. You know, yeah, when it was different. new. Yeah. Um, I've never thought of him that way. He's always a chameleon. I think he can do whatever he wants, and still be great at it. You know, he was in Planet of the Apes, and he did awesome. He did he? In, yeah, I mean, the the last Planet of the Apes, he's a very um, Colonel Kurtz type, Heart of Darkness, yeah. Apocalypse Now character. Yeah. And he uh, he can do whatever he needs to do. He can adapt, and he can play the hero. He can play the bad guy. He can play anything he wants. So, um, um, well, in this one, he plays basically uh, another version of Lando, where he yeah. you don't know if you can trust him, and he will take the best deal. You know. Um, but this one, he, he's not just Lando. This this guy <laughs> plays everything, like to the max. Like you know, he bets it all. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Lando swindles people to to make sure that he has the upper hand. Yep. This guy just puts all his chips all in and puts his his neck on the line and everybody else's neck on the line to gain. Yeah. But then when it comes time, he doesn't stand behind. No. Like he liked Han throughout most of the the episode, but then when um it came time to what's what's the guy's name that he was working for? Um. The guy with all the scars on his face. Know, Paul Bettany's character. Yeah. Okay. So, but when it came down to it, he threw Han under the bus. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, he wasn't plotting against Han for the whole time. It's just when that opportunity came up. Yeah. He's going to save his own butt first. Absolutely. He has his best interests in in mind. Uh-huh. His own best interest. I mean, even when like a mild spoiler alert, this is the first 20 minutes of the movie. But even when his whole crew gets just taken out, yeah. he's like even lost that lady that he was like. That was his lady. Right. But even after she got, like she dies. Yeah. It's like immediately just, what, 
what can I do to save my own ass? He doesn't yeah. care about her anymore. Yeah. And like for a second in the theater, I was like, wouldn't he care more? And I'm like, no, he wouldn't. He's yeah. a scumbag. He's a villain. Like he doesn't give a fuck. He just, oh, well, I lost a chick. I can go find another one. I, I thought that too. I'm like, why doesn't he care more? Because there was there was very little emotion. Because it doesn't matter to him in the, at the end of the day. Yeah. As long as he's alive. Yeah. He'll find another lady. He, um. He yeah, he, um, God, I just lost what I was going to say. Sorry. Um, but, oh, the big thing that I didn't like about the movie, um, God, well, good Lord. <laughs> Here, talk about something about the movie for a minute till it comes back to me. Sadly's <laughs> lost it. No, um, one thing that I thought was kind of um, poignant in the film, and maybe this is me looking way too deep into it, but... Uh, I think the first, like, 15, 20 minutes are the first movie that they started doing with that first director, yeah. those first group of directors. Yeah. And then right after that, like, right after they leave that mud planet and, like, the shower scene happens and Chewie comes in and he's like, yeah. can't we do this, like, separately? Separately, yeah. I thought that was funny, but I think... That was a good joke, yeah. Right after that, and he's standing out on the deck of that ship and the sun is out and yep. he's kind of drying off and Chewbacca comes down... I think that's the beginning of Ron Howard's film because Ron Howard stepped in to do this and yep. reshirts and they shot they reshot eighty five percent of this movie. Yeah, and I think the first twenty minutes are the original. They left some, yeah. And then yeah, right it felt that, that way. That shower is symbolic of we're washing away everything that happened prior. Yeah, and now this is my movie, and welcome to my Han Solo. Like this is where. I pick up. Yeah. It felt symbolic of just washing away the old. It did feel then, different because, you know, at the beginning we got a train heist. Spoiler. Yeah, yeah. It, it, they're, they're, um, Han wants in on this um, train heist and and, and, it, and it turned out bad. They lost the cargo that they wanted, which is the reason for the Kessel Run. Um, yeah. But now I remembered what I didn't like the most with his girlfriend, Han's girlfriend. Yeah, Kira um, or whatever. How often she flip-flopped for us as the viewer from going can we trust her nope can we trust her nope oh we could trust her nope i thought they went back and forth too many times yeah a little bit you know it's a little bit too much of just wishy-washy like come on we know this character is not going to kill han i mean that that's the one thing like she's not going to kill han but is she trustworthy, you know? Well, that's also the biggest thing about this film, is it is a prequel. It is a film where we know that the heroes are going to survive because Chewbacca and Han Solo survive and they're, you know, they have their stories. Though. So there's not a whole lot of gravity to the situation because you know at the end of the day, nothing's going to hurt these characters. Right. You know what I mean? So yep. that was... Like, I really liked the film, yep. but at the end of the day, was it, like, super interesting to watch? No. Like, not really. Like, it was fun, but it wasn't, like... It was definitely wasn't a... advance their stories. It didn't... In, well, it it was just it was just an entertaining summer flick, you know, in the it. Star Wars universe. And it felt like a Star Wars movie, and that's what, yeah. that's what I was happy with. And I left the theater going, that was so much fun. Like, Me too. I was so happy I saw I it. Took like, my, I took my son to it, and we both left going, you know, out of all of the, the quote-unquote Disney... Star Wars movies, that was the best. I thought... I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot, you know, and I was ranking the movies, you know, and I would rank Solo, um, you know, Force Awakens, um, Rogue One, and then Last Jedi. 
I agree with that. Yeah. I think I'd put Rogue One in my second spot. I think I like that one too. That was, that was good. I think it's better than Force Awakens. But, yeah. Um, well, uh, and the other thing is too, uh, just to, th- you know, kind of a theory. Um, let's just throw on some ideas. Why was Kira in league with um, Darth Maul? Spoiler. You you know. <laughs> Oh, oh, okay. Oh, spoiler! If you haven't seen, if you haven't seen the end of the movie, um, at the huge spoiler. Actually, that got wrecked for me prior to. Honestly, I don't think it's spoiler at this point because it's been almost a month. If you haven't seen it, if you haven't seen it, then then you're not gonna, and you're gonna get spoiled anyway. Uh, But I, I don't know. But I, I that got wrecked for me before I went to the theater. Sure, kind of sucked. But I did see it with Sarah, so her reaction was cool. That's kind of what like made it cool for me because like it happened, and she was like, "What?" You know what? Yeah, (laughs) I was with my son, and he didn't recall Darth Maul, and so then I was like, I was like, I'm like, Sean, it was the guy from the episode one, the Sith guy with the horns, and he's like, Oh, I thought he died, and um, robot legs, come on. Yeah, well, um, I was it you that told me that it's from the animated uh, uh, not the clone wars rebels Rebels. yeah Yeah. um so i have to go back and watch that because now i want to fill in the gaps of um darth maul a huge storyline in rebels yeah the the cartoon show so um i did like that um my big question about it and maybe i asked you this last time we talked about this movie um do you think he's um operating behind vader and the emperor's back Uh, yes he is sorry before you finish your question um he's operating solely by himself because the sith betrayed him because he used that you just use him as a as a a, a weapon just yep. point and go yep like, go kill that for me please yep. like i don't want to deal with it and the jedi have no place for him because he was part of the sith and killed qui-gon jinn yep so he's in this point where he's this very strong force user but no side wants him. You know what I mean? So right. Well, so and and you know, with the Sith, with the Sith, it's always a master and apprentice, and his old master has a new apprentice. You know, no use for him anymore. Yeah. And if he went back, he'd just be killed. Yeah, Vader wouldn't put up with having a uh, um, a sidekick. a rival yeah. sidekick or anything. No. He'd be like, "No, you're gone." Yeah. I mean, especially when you think of Anakin Skywalker in Episode Three. He wanted nobody on his side. He when was he in always, charge. When he always played second fiddle and didn't, yeah. didn't realize he was getting played at the end. But yeah. But um, well, that's the way. That's the way Palpatine's always been, yeah. and he's used every Sith that he's had, from Darth Maul to um, to Count Dooku to Darth Vader to. It's always to gain. It's always to yeah uh, for personal gain. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. But he spins it in a way that's more romantic and like you're you're part of this bigger picture. Yep. Like, no, yeah, you're part of this you're lineage. A pawn. You're a pawn. This lineage, yeah. You're a pawn. Yeah. So, and uh, he realizes that, and uh, he's not going to take it anymore. So now he's struck out on his own, and he's carving his own path in this galaxy. And, well, I'm glad. I'm glad they got him back because I love Ray Parks as an actor. His martial arts is awesome. And uh, fun fact is, Ray Park was there to do the on screen, but it was Sam Witwer doing the voice, who's been doing the voice on Rebels. Okay, but but he didn't do the voice in episode one. Uh, uh, Ray Park did. Uh, Ray Park did in episode one, correct. So that's why when I watched the movie, I'm like, is that him? I was yeah, trying yeah, to figure yeah. it out because he looks a little different. You know, the, the I think it's a little bit of the tat uh, the tattoos were a little different, and then also I think it's just Ray Park's just older now. Yeah, 
It's almost been what? Almost almost 20, 20 years. Almost. almost. 20 years, yeah. You know, it, it was like 97. Yeah. So it's been 20 years. 20 years. Fuck. Yeah. Um, so Ray Park um, being back in it, I'm excited. Me too. And uh, I hope there's more for that character because he's always been a fan favorite. I mean, look at what he did in episode one. He really, when you really break it down, in episode one, he had like two good fight scenes. Yep. He had great makeup and that's it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's had this huge lineage. He's like a, a Boba Fett character. Yeah. He's had this so much lineage and this like huge fan fandom about him, but he really hasn't done that much. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's not been, yeah. With Boba Fett. I agree. Everyone loves Boba Fett, but like really uh, he's never, you don't, he's not been in anything. Zero. Dude has five minutes of screen time. Like, yeah, but know? yet he's one of the most popular characters. And he's one of the most instantly recognizable. Same thing with Darth Maul. Same thing with Greedo, right? Greedo. It's always it's always like, who shot first, you know? And it's like, who the hell cares? Had, that guy's on there for five seconds. He's had these iconic moments. So Yeah. Uh, I hope they do more with the character. I'd love to see... Um, I would love to see more with that Darth Maul character. Oh, yeah, 100%. I'd love to see a movie with Darth Maul. It would be amazing. Ray Park. And I don't know how they would do that if they wanted... Because they'd write that right now they're sticking to their guns. Ray Park is the actor and Sam Whitworth's doing the voice, so you'd have to put double duty into it, you know, making sure the lines add up and all this stuff. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering how they're going to do that going forward. Because it was one thing when it was on her holographic at the end of the movie, another, but another thing to put him on screen, put it, put him like really on screen where we're looking directly at a face without the without the. Um, um, static yeah. of the holographic, so you know, hide his age a little bit behind the makeup and, and static and the voice. You can hide hide the voice that doesn't quite line up with the yeah. with his lips, but um, right. I don't know. I we'll see because that's what worked out great with Darth Vader. You didn't see his face, so you could have one guy in the suit and you could have one guy doing the narration. You know, yeah, maybe you just give him a respirator or something. You know, and give him to the point where he's just older and he can't. Like you, you know, you get him, yep. give him like a mask. Yep. Something, something to where he can emote, he can emote with his eyes. Yeah. Still act and be on set. Yep. But in terms of voice, double roll you want because nobody can see his lips moving. Yeah. You know, so that, maybe that's something they'll lean towards doing later. But we'll see. I mean, the biggest thing, um, and what got us on the subject is you asked me about like what's the you know the status for Star Wars moving forward. They've put Star Wars on hold right now, like. Disney itself has put a complete stop to the gears. Like Really? Yeah. They How said, come? <clears throat> and it's not just episode nine. Uh, episode nine, I think, is still moving forward. But uh, all spinoffs have been put on hold. And that doesn't mean they're canceled. It just means that there is no more creative work, no more money, and no more forward progression in any of these films until we figure out what the fuck is going on. Because they lost it with Last Jedi. I mean, Last Jedi made a lot of money... But it, 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 it literally divided the fan base. Yeah. It, it put it put a, a fence in the middle of a, a fan base that has been around for almost 50 years. Yep. And it divided them. It made them point at each other and go, you're wrong and we're right. No, you're wrong and we're right. No, this what, is what, what part specifically? The whole film. The whole, the whole Last Jedi film. I, the only part I had was it. it was just kind of campy and it wasn't very... Uh, I didn't feel like it was serious enough. It was too many jokes in it. And... But as far as like what happened to Luke and how all of that in the in the storyline and the plot, I could you know obviously I didn't make any predictions of it. So whatever they did, I'm like cool with it, you know. 
Yeah, I mean, and I'm not here to because we could talk for hours about how it, how that movie is divisive, but I mean, just go on the internet and look at it. You know what I mean? Just yeah. look at the fan base. It is divided now. There are people who love that movie and people who absolutely hate that movie, and uh, there. I mean, there's a to put it into easiest sense. There was a GoFundMe page that has raised over like fifteen million dollars to have that movie redone. I think you they don't get that type of animosity from a film that's good. You know what I mean? Or I think they should do that with the um, episodes one, two, three. <laughs> right. uh, that would be cool. I think eventually it'll all get redone. Uh, so episode nine is still on the radar. I think so, but um, everything else is being put on hold, and I think it's just because Kathleen Kennedy, the kind of like the head creative person, I yeah. think they're gonna fire her. Oh, because because the movie wasn't was, great. I mean, they split the fan base with Last Jedi. Yep. Uh, even though Han Solo was a great movie, it yeah, made zero dollars. People didn't. Yeah, I, I overall people didn't like it. I think I think they were just burned. People were burned off of Last Jedi. I don't think that people didn't like it. I think that people were just forced in to stick with their guns. Of Star Wars sucks right now. Yeah, and so putting things on hold isn't a bad idea. No, but you need to figure out a landscape and give it. Give it some time. We haven't had time to breathe um, since Disney took over. Yeah. And it's been Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. Whereas it used to be an event that a Star Wars movie was coming out. And now, oh, special. And now yeah, and now it just feels like, well, it's Christmas or, well, it's June. We yeah. we better go see Star Wars. See, I think they could have done, if, if it were me, if I was running that, I would say absolutely every Christmas there's a Star Wars movie. Yeah. Let's just do it that way. Yeah. Let's not shove it down people's throats in May. Yeah. Who cares? And, and Paul, also, what are you doing? You're putting your movie out in May? Dude, the two biggest movies like of all time in the re- like past five years have come out. Avengers Infinity War made billions of dollars. Yeah. And Deadpool 2 made tons and tons of fucking money. I haven't seen that yet. It's really, really I gotta good. see that. But you put Solo like right next to those. Yeah. Like, there's only so much money to go around. And so many people did not really want to see Han's background um, because they liked the mysticism of it where yeah. where he bragged about the Kessel Run. And, yeah. you, you know, I kind of liked it that I didn't know how him and Chewie got together. Mm-hmm. Um, I, didn't, I liked it that I didn't see how he really got the Millennium Falcon from Lando. Um, it's I, not a story that needed to be told. But I had a damn good time watching it. Yes. Yes. I exact. Yes, I agree. It was a great movie. And here's the other thing that kind of bothered me throughout the beginning of the movie. I'm like, something's wrong with the Millennium Falcon. And Sean goes, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, there's a piece that's supposed to be missing in the middle of it. You know, and and we got to talking, and I'm just like, it was just bugging me. And then they jettisoned the escape pod, and I'm like, oh, there it goes. There it is. And there it is. And then I'm like. Did that need to be in there? Did they need to do that? It's an, I don't know. I think it's a fun detail for fans to pick out. You know what I mean? That like that they lost the they lost the um, um, escape pod and they never got another one. Right. You know, they never put another never escape. Put another one on. Yep. So I, I just I think that's a fun detail to look at and fun for fans like yourself to be like that looks no and then all of a sudden like now it's right. Yep. Now it's, now yep. It. When all of a sudden they drop that escape pod, I'm like ah yep. Yeah. And Sean goes, we shut up now? Because, yeah, they, I was talk, I was talking to him through the whole movie, you know. This doesn't look right, man. Yep, I was doing stuff like that. I'm like, that's not accurate. Yep. I'm like, dude, that's not how the Millennium Falcon's supposed to look. And then he's like, what are you saying? I can't understand you. And then, and then it went back and forth like that. And he's like, Dad, stop it. Be quiet. Yeah. I'm trying to watch the movie. Yes, exactly. And so, you know, if you can imagine a 13-year-old kid going, 
you know, getting mad at his dad because I'm ruining the movie for yes. him. <laughs> you know, in the long run, I guess, at the end of the day, I hope they figure out an end game for Star Wars. Yeah. You, you can't treat it like Marvel and put out four, three or four films a year. Yep. You, just, you have to figure out a way to space it out, make it feel special, and not uh, shit on the fan base anymore. So, yeah. Well, hey, um, I am looking at our recording device, which is running on batteries right now, uh-huh. and we have zero battery. Um, I okay. did bring more batteries with me, but you know what? We're at hour and 15. I think it's a good time to call it. We so. could call it. Um, <laughs> so anyway, hey, I hope you guys had a good time. Uh, John and I always have a great time doing this show. Yes. Uh, find us on Facebook, uh, Smash and Grab Comics. Uh, find us on Instagram, uh, even Twitter now. Um, yep. And um, the Twitter handle is Grab Comics. Um, at Grab Comics. At Grab Comics, yep. Okay. And then... Uh, God, what else is there out there? Um, Facebook, we have Facebook. You, yeah, we have Facebook. Um, you could always um, just friend. You once I get done with my marriage, my marriage stuff, the Twitter will be. I gave you. Buzz. Yeah, I'm just not. I I have it up and started, and I've done a couple a things, but I've used Twitter good enough to know how to use it. Quite put well, so. put it out there, like yeah. you know, gain some followers. Yeah. Um, put out some good tweets. Uh, what else is there coming up? I don't know. John's wedding next week. We'll figure out how when we can do the show. My baby is being born. Well, you know what? Next week we may. You know what? We're gonna just announce it right here. We're taking a hiatus. We won't be back for two weeks. John's got that going on, and um, along with me going to the wedding, um, I have my stepson's baseball tournament. So it is a crazy, um, crazy time. And yeah, I've got a baby being born in two months. So that's always cool, but. I'll stop rambling. Let's just quick. Let's. Can you see the? Can you? Can you see the the battery indicator? There's nothing on it. Uh, it's running on pure awesomeness. So. Guys for listening, we appreciate everything you guys you guys do for us. Yeah. Leave us some comments. Follow us on all our social medias. Yeah. And we'll see you guys next time. Yeah. Bye now. See ya.